0: Welcome to another episode of Terrell Paranormal Talk, where we discuss all things supernatural, weird, and unexplained. Join us for discussions on UFOs, ghost stories, paranormal investigations, strange monster sightings, psychic skills, and places of high strangeness. I'll leave you to one of our esteemed investigators hosting today, and perhaps you will leave a little wiser and a little closer to having your curiosity satisfied. We hope you enjoy today's show.
1: I'll be your host today, and thank you guys for tuning in and listening with us. I have a guest with me today. It is Mary Jo, also known as my grandmother, actually. (laughs) And she's really big into uh, photography, actually. She does a lot of that for our investigation team, and she's very, very good at what she does. So I thought I'd ask her a few questions, if that's cool with you.
2: Yes, I'll be glad to.
1: All right, cool. So tell me a little bit about your background with photography before you started doing stuff for the investigation team.
2: Well, I've always been an artist. And in the uh, early years when I began painting, I wanted to be able to use my own resource material and I began studying photography. I bought a manual Minolta 35 millimeter with the big zoom lens and the wide angle lens and all those things. And I studied the technical aspects. of. And of course, that kind of photography has really gone by by the wayside now. And that's fine with me. <laughs> when I bought the camera, the man that sold it to me had been a photographer for the military during Vietnam, and he said, I can run and load this camera with one hand at the same time. So I didn't think I'd ever have to do that, but <laughs> and I never did. But that is basically my background in photography, and I've just continued to study it and explore it over the years.
1: That's awesome. How did you make the transition from just regular photography to paranormal photography? And are they like super different or are they kind of the same thing?
2: I began focusing on paranormal photography six years ago, perhaps when you and Brenda, Amy, were visiting Jefferson, Texas. At that time, I had moved up to digital and that was an easy switch. <laughs> <laughs> I was just using a little point and shoot. It was 16 megapixel Point and shoot, little cannon. And we were exploring some of the supposedly haunted places late one night. It was after midnight. We drove by the grove, which is which is an historical home there in Jefferson that has a lot on the side that they call their garden. And there is a gentleman that is seen very often in the garden and around the house. We were just snapping pictures out the window of the car in the dark. I was not using a flash. Got home a few days later, downloaded those to my computer, and started flipping through them, thinking, oh, this is no good, and this one's no good. This is, you know, nothing here, nothing here. Almost deleted it, and then I went back. There, in the third photo, was the apparition. We later learned was believed to be the man in the grove. As a matter of fact, Mitchell Whittington, that owns the home, told us that it was one of the most compelling photos he'd seen. You know, I was hooked (laughs) from (laughs) that moment.
1: I would be, too. (laughs) I would say that's the photo that started our paranormal investigation team, so it's kind of cool that that's kind of what sent you into paranormal photography as well. Um, Are there any special tools or anything that you need for paranormal photography that you might not need for, you know, art photography or just any other kind?
2: Not really. Perhaps with the exception of some infrared tools, I use a Samsung 24-megapixel digital camera as a backup. I also use that same little 16-megapixel point-and-shoot digital camera that I got that apparition on. And I have to tell you, some of my best catches were with that little point-and-shoot, not the big big one, Mm -hmm. that I use for the investigations. I recommend that for the paranormal photography that you use at least a 12-megapixel. I recommend that you do not depend upon your smartphone Now, some of the new phones have astonishing cameras. They really do. My issue with the cell phone cameras is that they are so easily manipulated. So when someone brings me a photograph that they've taken on their cell phone, I have to be cautious. There are hundreds of ghost apps to be downloaded to cell phones and iPads, and they make some super, super fake ghost photos. I'm not just saying that the individual that took it would be the one trying to fool me or fool someone. Uh, We had an instance a few months ago. A homeowner contacted us and sent us a photo that he had been given by a contractor that was working inside his house. There was an astonishing apparition standing behind him. It was just almost too astonishing.
1: Yeah, it was... I remember that picture remember actually, that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. We actually went to the site and we tried to recreate that photo with a person. It just it didn't work. The uh, perspective was off. Now, granted, I know that apparitions can, you know, they can be floating on the ceiling or whatever, but given the situation this photo represented, it just didn't work. It was just too questionable. And we learned that the homeowner himself had been uh, deceived. This contractor, By the contractor. Yes, yeah, he thought it'd be funny to uh, to let this man think that his, the house that he was about to move into
1: was haunted. I, I guess he didn't <laughs> he didn't take into consideration that he would approach an investigation team about it. He's like, "Whoa, it was <laughs> no, a joke. he didn't <laughs> yeah.
2: so you did
3: watch." It suddenly becomes
1: a lot more serious.
2: <laughs> and as far as tools. I recommend using a tripod when you're taking paranormal photographs because I recommend you take at least three shots without moving the camera. And the least amount of movement you can have is the best. So if you can have your camera on a sturdy tripod, Additionally, if you can use a remote shutter release, then you can take shot after shot without even touching the camera. So there will be yeah. no shaking or, or no moving, or just you pressing the shutter. Or something. That
1: seems super useful, actually, yeah.
2: It is. I, cool. I like to use it. Now, we, uh, I also use a GoPro, and that's just uh, another version, you know, the smaller version of a digital camera. And I can I put it on a tripod as well. Another type of camera people don't think of very often is a game camera. We use a game camera. Uh, Now, they are motion activated. This one is infrared compatible. I have not gotten what I call positive photos on the game camera, but... I keep thinking that this is going to pop up because you can leave it at a location for any length of time and just go back and take that little card out.
1: So, uh, well, that's because it only picks up aliens. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> so it's like hoaxes or just actual photos of things that look like aliens going yeah. up on the game cameras. Yes, super right. Cool.
2: Deers in the headlight.
1: <laughs> so uh, if I understand correctly, do game cameras use flash?
2: They're infrared, so, so they don't have to use flash. Okay, cool.
1: Um do you use flash normally whenever you're doing paranormal photography?
2: No. That's another point I want to make. If at all possible, do not use flash. Your new digital cameras have wonderful automatic settings on them, and you can take photographs in low light without the flash, without doing a lot of manual setting. If there's just a faint light in the area, you can you can just turn on a couple lamps and just have some ambient light that's great. Most of your digital cameras now are sensitive to infrared light. So another uh, possibility there is to invest in an infrared uh, spot or supplemental light. Some of them you could just mount on the top of your your larger cameras, but you can also uh, buy a a bar, just a flat bar, and it sits on top of the tripod and you put your camera on one end of it and the infrared spot on the other end so that, you know, they're looking at the same same distance. And now the GoPro, at least the GoPro we have, is also infrared compatible. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And remember, when we're talking about flashes, remember that spirits are around all day as well. If they're there at night, they're there in the daytime. It's not necessary to be photographing middle of the night you just don't have to do it
1: photographs especially yes because most of the time you'll see investigation teams go out at night and a lot of the reason for that is noise contamination because it's there's a lot less at night but when it comes to photographs like you don't have to worry about that you just got to make sure there's no one in the shot right so it's probably better to take photos uh, in the daytime
2: yes and we've we've captured a lot of uh, interesting anomalies we call them in the daytime
1: awesome yeah I can agree with that. (laughs) We've got some pretty (laughs) crazy stuff. So let's throw out a hypothetical situation here. We are going to investigate a house. How do you approach the situation uh, with your camera, I'd say? So, like, where would you take photos first? What angles would you take them at? Is there anything, is there, like, a method behind that at all?
2: The method of my madness. (laughs) (laughs) If we're doing a building, a residence, or a commercial building, At the interior, I like to go in and and work very systematically to the right around each room. I take multiple photos. Like I said, I will take at least three shots without moving the the camera or the tripod and work my way around each room from the right to the left, counterclockwise. And if I always do that, I have a better idea of where I've been if I get interrupted. Now, take photographs of the corners, the closets, all around the room. You're not going to be looking at an apparition when you're taking the photographs. But in your mind's eye, just think about it. They could be standing there looking at you, right? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And if if we, perhaps we capture a mist, chances are you are not going to be seeing that mist. So you have to do a photographic sweep of each room of the building with the ideal that something is going to be there. And take at least three shots without moving the tripod. But I want to tell you, if you ever have just a little, you know, you've taken your three shots and you're thinking, oh, I think I'll just, you know, shoot off a couple more before I move, do it.
1: Intuition. Yeah, intuition. We, we actually have uh, <clears throat> an interview with Talk, uh, one of our psychic mediums, and he talks a lot about how intuition is really, really important. And sometimes it can be telling you things that you couldn't imagine would be super useful. Exactly. You, and I've read a book about it, too. And it's intuition is a thing, people.
2: Well, I've caught I've some substantial anomalies that way. And also, if uh, you just think, oh, I think I'm going to go back to that first room or that second room and take some more shots. That, you mentioned contamination. Mm-hmm. That applies to photography, actually still photography in another respect. You want to be sure that your light sources are stable. There's not a ceiling fan running that's throwing shadows around the room. Be careful of taking photographs into mirrors and at glass covered paintings on the walls. Any kind of reflective surface, even though you're not using a flash, got to be careful. And also, in those, those reflective surfaces, your own image may come up. But when you take the photographs, be still. Just because you're using that remote shutter, you know, you could be doing a cha-cha behind the tripod. <laughs> <laughs> but it might affect something else in the room that yeah. you're not aware of at the time. That makes sense. Yeah, so, so with the photography, you want to be careful about visual contamination other investigators that are in the room, um, any, anything like that, anything that else that might be going on physically that you could inadvertently uh, catch in a photo and not be able to explain.
1: Yeah. I want to point out, I think in one situation we were investigating a building and there was a window and there's a lot of traffic outside. I think that's important to consider too, shadows from cars and stuff, because I remember we were seeing shadows like across the ceiling and we had no idea what it was. for a while, but we actually figured out it was traffic. Right, it was traffic, yes. uh, Yeah, I just think that's important to consider.
2: I want to speak to the video cameras, and you have primarily been handling the video cameras on investigations. We have just a a simple family garden variety. Yeah. We have a little Sony, and... We also have one that has been uh, customized to read infrared light. One thing you can do with the video cameras, if, if you have the proper access to the location, we'll just set it up. You know, you have set them up on a tripod and left them running overnight. Mm-hmm. And you will get, um, you'll get audio with that as well. And it will run, ours will run about eight hours, I think.
1: Something like that. It depends on the memory.
2: With the video cameras, too, they focus automatically. One situation that we had left a camera in, we did not actually get an apparition, but for some unexplained reason during the night, the camera would begin trying to focus. It had not been moved, nothing obvious was moving in the room, but it it began doing that little work, you know, the little dance it does to to, uh, accommodate the automatic focus. So
3: there's something there.
2: Something there. (laughs) Remember that you're going to review these in sets that you took them in uh, for at, at least three photos per set. So initially, I suggest you look at one, click to two, click to three.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like a spot the difference game. Exactly. And you can see if there's anything that has visibly changed instead of inspecting every square inch yes. of the photo. It may kind of jump out for you.
2: That's even good. a minute thing you can see. But, you know, repeat it. Do it over and over. Yeah then i suggest you go back and look carefully at, um, at all areas of each photograph you will be surprised at the things that will jump out at you if you've caught something or if there's something has happened during the course of those three yeah. photos it will jump out at you so that is uh, that's one technique and i don't delete anything if you've looked at a set of photos and you didn't see an anomaly don't delete it because i promise you you may want to go back later and review them again, and you may mm-hmm. see something again. So I keep all of them so
1: that's,
3: ever, that's forever and always. <laughs> I mean, space
1: space is so cheap nowadays. Mm-hmm. For how many photos you can keep, you can keep a ton for a small amount of money. So yes, you may as well just keep them all. All right.
2: There's a lot of discussion about orbs. We're asked to review a lot of photographs that contain orbs, uh, stationary and moving.
1: See those all the time? All the time. (laughs) It's like constant.
2: (laughs) And orbs are very controversial. One group of investigators will say orbs are not supernatural. Another group will say Mm. some are. Yeah. So it just depends upon your theories. Generally, a flash will cause an orb, and that's one reason not to use your flash.
1: Does it like pick up the dust and stuff? Yes. Okay.
2: Dust particles in the air, flying insect, reflected light. Mm-hmm. It's called, with the digital um, technology, they call it the circle of confusion because the camera doesn't know what to do with it. On the other hand, I'm not going to say that all orbs are camera induced. So there's that, you know, there's that con. Yeah. But we do. We receive we photographs that, oh, there'll be hundreds of small orbs, and it's perhaps at night. I know one that I took during, the, during our ghost walk one evening was just sprinkling lightly. I took a photograph of the group as they were walking up the street, and it just looked like Orb City. It's really a pretty shot that I know yeah, it's that it cool.
1: <laughs> <but> <laughs> not ghost though. <laughs> even
2: though I did not have my flash on, this light was being uh, generated by the street lights and it was reflecting off
1: the yeah drizzle. I'm sure traffic as well because yeah, cars passing light. by, all that there's so many lights outside that you oh, don't yeah. notice.
2: So that's that's what I say. You have to be careful and you have to be observant of other light sources around you. You know, moving orbs that are captured on the video here again, you need to determine if that's an insect. If it's dust, I've seen some very interesting videos where there are orbs that literally dance around, say, a, a child's head, things like that. I'm still open to some of that. Yeah. I, I can't bring myself to say uh, yet that
1: all of are them are gone. Wrong. It's like, yeah, because yeah, some of them, they, they all look different. Some orbs, especially like the dust ones, I can tell, yeah, it's dust. But sometimes they, they have like a different shape to them mm-hmm. and they have a different texture. and Right. Right. sometimes color I've seen colored ones yes because uh, a lot of the times you just see like white ones and I think most of those are flash but I've seen green ones purple ones yes, pink ones stuff yes. like that
2: and some of them will have very detailed and complicated designs in them so yeah that, that's true actually I've seen
1: those. yeah that's super strange like some of those are just <laughs> not explainable to me at all
2: so I'm, I'm not going to discount all of them and I've captured a few and I know people that have captured a few that I'm really open to the fact that they could be paranormal energy. <laughs> Another issue is paradelia. Paradelia happens when you can see faces or figures, items in an area of your photo that are actually just part of a pattern.
1: You're not really an apparition, but your head puts it together just.
2: Yes, it could That's... be, say, texture in a, in a lace curtain, how it fell. It's like lying on your back, you know, when we were kids you lie on yeah. your back and look grass. up at the ceiling
1: or look something at the clouds. No like yeah. outside. <laughs>
2: outside. No,
1: I was an indoor child so oh, I looked yes. at the ceiling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> look at the clouds. I'm a millennial and make, <laughs> make out animals. That sort of thing. So you have to rule that out. Yes.
1: Are there any photos that you have taken uh, in general that have just kind of stood out to you?
2: Oh yes. I thought you were asked
1: So you've been waiting on that one.
2: Well, of course, first and foremost was the photo of the man in the grove, that apparition. That was the first one big that one. we captured. That was a big one and that started us in, in this field. I've probably had more instances of moving shadows than any other example. Uh, we were doing an outside investigation on a lady's property. It was dusk, but we captured a shadow on the side of a utility building, and between the three photographs, that shadow changed, and there was no reason for it to change. There was actually no light, no direct light, shining on that side of the building to create a shadow to begin with.
1: Yeah, I think I, I do remember this photo, and it was very unique. The sun wasn't shining directly on it, I believe. No. it there was,
2: there was a building next to it. Yeah,
1: a building next to it, so mm-hmm. it was a very, very, like, light shadow movement. Yes. Uh, so it had to have been something that was in the area of the shed, like, right there.
2: Right, between those two buildings that were very close together. Mm-hmm. And that was an instance where I was taking photographs facing the opposite direction, and I was next to this building, and for some reason I just had an urge to turn around, turn completely around and take photographs and that is when we captured this anomaly.
1: Talk about intuition again. <laughs> there intuition, you go. It's telling you what to do. Again.
2: yep. Another example of moving shadows was inside an historical home place this house had very heavy lace curtain over the windows in this particular room. And this was also during the day because, you know, we do a lot of investigations during the day. The window was heavily draped with very thick lace curtain. The hedges that were outside the window at that point were below the window, and there was no tree. There was nothing outside that window that would be moving. The bottom of the window also was about eight foot off the ground. Between the three photos that I was taking of a piano in that room, with the window next to it, I got a very subtle movement of a shadow on those lace curtains, and it changed shapes between the three photographs. Oh, and, and the latest investigation that we did, the homeowner complained of feeling like someone was watching her all the time in the yes, master bathroom. I remember that, yeah. And actually, one of the other investigators took the photographs that night. She said the camera... Up, looking directly in the, into the doorway of the master bathroom and she took three shots and I want you to know those were the first three photographs that were taken that night and there is a very distinct dark blob <laughs> or shadow in the second photograph it's not in the first or the third but it is in the second here again there was a fan a ceiling fan in that bedroom <coughs> but we had pointedly turned that fan off. Also, reviewing the photograph, you can see that this dark area that appeared is inside that doorway. The dark area does not extend over the door framework on either side. Now, it could have and could have still been a valid anomaly, but my point is, the activity was so contained inside that that master bathroom and that's where we caught a shadow so that that was another one so shadows uh moving shadows are a big deal
1: yeah and it's always like super chilling whenever you get photos like that too like <laughs> uh, i'm sure you know because you review them a lot but whenever you finally see it you, you get like really excited oh yes <laughs> like oh this is it
2: <laughs> there's a set of photographs that i took Uh, during an investigation that we did in a public building.
1: (laughs) I know what building that is. I'm not going to say it all out, but I know what building that is.
2: I had taken photographs on the second floor, and then we all moved down to the first floor. I decided, here again, intuition, whatever, I decided to go back upstairs and take some photographs while everyone else was downstairs. I took a set of five photographs at the same spot. I don't know why, I took three and I thought, no, I'm just going to shoot off a couple more. Here again, intuition.
1: Intuition's a very big <laughs> thing, yeah.
2: So, within those five photographs, there appears the shape of a head and shoulder going down, torso. It appears to be solid. There are no features. And it's just kind of white. And then it just disappears from the last couple of photographs. Looking back, there's some question as to whether or not everyone was downstairs and that sort of thing. But I was uh, really taken aback when, when it appeared. But we host a ghost walk on Saturday nights, and we have ghost walk guests that share their photographs with us. Now, most of these are taken on cell phones, but we have seen some very interesting photographs that have come about, photographs that were taken at dark Windows in vacant buildings, that sort of thing. And we have to account for here again car lights, street yeah. lights, things like the that.
1: A billion other things that can possibly yes, contaminate a photo. Yeah.
2: However, our headquarters is uh, very haunted. Yes. Not too long ago, a guest took a photo inside the building by using his cell phone. It has a very
3: uh, distinct
2: shadow or image. It's kind of like a
1: distortion. If I remember correctly, it's weird. Well, That's, that might be how I describe it.
2: I think it to me, it's pretty distinct. Oh, the edges are
1: sharp. Yeah, you up. can see it, but it, it looks almost like a thing that like marks the edges. What is that? The silhouette of the yes. image almost looks like distorted yes. edges, and yes, so it, it, is a it silhouette. pulls it together. Yeah, it it's just a silhouette.
2: Appears to be a silhouette. Yeah, it's, or, it's
1: definitely like the best picture we've gotten here at the office. In I the think.
2: office, it's cool. I agree. It appears to be a man in an area of the building that. Uh, <laughs> we've had we've had numerous mediums tell us that that, that particular area is, is very active. So that was fun. And that was from one of our guests. Awesome.
1: All right. Uh, well, before we uh, wrap up here, do you have any personal tips for the beginner of paranormal photography?
2: I would say don't sweat equipment too much. Just use what you have available. You do not have to invest in an expensive camera. I would suggest, though, using a standalone digital camera instead of your cell phone camera, just for yeah. a number of reasons. Do that and take a lot of photographs. You just take many, many, many photographs.
1: From what I can tell, the time to look over all of them is usually worth it. So. Oh, it is. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Because there's nothing like that feeling when you say, oh, what was that?
3: Yeah. What was that? Let
1: me go it's back. definitely Ooh, very cool. Let me
2: look at that. And then it's wahoo. And then you're on the phone to your team members and friends with what I got yeah. <laughs> um, these spirits are there making themselves apparent to us talk to them go in introduce yourself and I mean verbally out loud tell them what you're doing ask them to uh, show themselves in some form just, just chat away with them <laughs> I, I had an experienced investigator tell me that when he's leaving a site he will Point the camera over his shoulder behind him as he leaves, and snap a few shots.
3: Yeah, and I've. that
2: that he has actually gotten anomalies in um, in those photographs, you know, as if they're saying goodbye. Saying goodbye. Now, I've never had that uh, fortune, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe someday we'll keep trying.
2: Yes, just have fun with it. Relax and have fun with it. And here again, like I say, don't have, you don't have to invest in fancy cameras. There's nothing like that feeling that, that you'll get when you get yeah, something. That you'll
1: get. That's great.
2: <laughs> but go into cool. it expecting nothing, and then when you get it. Right?
1: You'll be surprised, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening today, and thank you for joining me and answering some questions.
0: Give some love by subscribing to our podcast to make sure you get your weekly paranormal fix. We are delighted that you have joined us today. There's plenty more stories and interviews to come. Visit our website at terrellghosts.com. Do you have a question or suggestion for a future podcast? Send us an email at investigators at Remember, it is all awesome.